Hello, and welcome to IAOP's podcast series, PulseCast, where we explore topics big and small in a world of collaborative partnerships. Thank you for joining us, and now the host of PulseCast. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of IAOP's PulseCast. Today, we'll be listening in on a session from Baker and McKenzie on the results of their digital transformation and cloud survey. Join our speakers, Peter George and Flavia Ribello, as they present the key findings. Enjoy. Right, well, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, before I kick this over to Debbie Hamill, I just want to remind you all that this session is being recorded, that we will send out a recording uh, after the webinar. And if you have any questions, please be sure to use the Q&A box, use the chat box, and we will um, be here to answer those questions. And with that, Debbie, over to you. Thank you, Amanda. And thank you all for joining us today. It is my great pleasure to introduce Adam Aft, Technology Transactions Partner at Baker McKenzie, who will take us through the future of enterprise data, the results of Baker McKenzie's digital transformation and cloud survey. Adam, it's all yours. Great, thanks so much. And really appreciate everyone joining us here today. It's a, it's a fun topic to talk about. Um, it, it's something that we're, Proud to speak about it at Baker because we've been running this survey for a number of years now. And, and as we'll touch on shortly, we actually had the opportunity to look into some of these digital transformation trends a few years ago before it was quite as much a buzzwordy thing to be speaking about. So it's always nice to feel like you got in early and, and have been talking about this longer than, than everyone else, but it's great to, to have these discussions now as it certainly is top of mind for everyone. I'm joined by my colleague Flavia from Brazil, and maybe Flavia, I'll let you introduce yourself um, as we kick off here. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining today. I'm Flavia Rebelo. I'm based in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I'm head of the, the IP tech practice in Latin America for Baker. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks so much, Flavia. It's always great to be on with you and, and uh, great to, to have such a go-to for the region uh, from a to, I know you'll be providing a valuable perspective from Latin American region today, but also um, always great to work with you on these types of topics. So jumping in on the agenda, what we're hoping to cover today is just give a little bit of background as to what the survey is. That always helps frame and understand who are the respondents, what were the questions asked, just have a little bit of context for the discussion. From there, we'll highlight a few of the key trends that we identified from what the survey respondents told us and from the presentations we've had on this topic, and then jump to the really two main subjects, which are digital transformation and then cloud as, as a specific subset of digital transformation, and then wrapping up with some of the industry trends. I, I think you'll find there's a lot of content in this deck. We certainly won't have time to speak live to all of it, but everyone should have the availability to get these materials. And certainly if you have any questions, following the presentations or questions on any of the industry-specific trends that we may not get to, um, we'll be happy to pick those up as a subsequent discussion. So with respect to the survey itself, just as I mentioned, it's always helpful to provide a little bit of context for what, what were we doing, what were we accomplishing with this survey? So the good news is, as I foreshadowed right at the outset, we, we have had the experience of running this survey a number of times, um, and this is our sixth survey having done this. So that, that's helpful in that it's really given us the ability to refine the questions to get the most meaningful responses and data. Also interesting, and, and this is what I was referring to specifically earlier, is in 2017, if you can see it, it's a little smaller, but you'll see that we specifically surveyed our respondents on cloud and digital disruption. And a lot of what we focused on in that survey were what were the digital transformation trends at the time what were the technologies that enterprises were adopting? How were they sourcing those technologies? And how were they managing the sourcing of those technologies with existing systems and together with um, the mul multiple provider environments and some of the more complicated aspects of those sourcing and technology transactions? We're, we're really fortunate to have done that because it gives us an interesting ability to identify some trends, which we'll touch on here in a moment. Uh, looking back at that data from 2017 and seeing how it's evolved now. Certainly our survey respondents in 2017 
were generally a bit less familiar with digital transformation than they were in this most recent survey, where most, if not all of our respondents, as you'll see um, in the slide coming up, had a, had a great deal of familiarity with cloud and with digital transformation. So who, are, who, are, who were our respondents? We've got 300 respondents, and they really were mixed across a number of industries. So you can see the breakdown specifically here, um, but what's helpful to identify is this is not a survey where we've only gone, for example, to just customers, or we've only gone just to the TMT industry and said only providers, infrastructure cloud providers, you know, tell us what you're seeing in the market. We've really sought to ask across the marketplace and across the various industries what the perspectives are from a cloud and digital transformation perspective. So that, that's helpful. Again, we wanted to highlight that as to give context to the responses, because it may be that as we go through some of this data, you'll find you, you see a point in the deck and you say, well, that's not what I'm seeing in the marketplace, or, oh yeah, I agree, that is what I'm seeing in the marketplace. And we're really just aiming to report what our respondents have told us, and it's helpful to understand who they are in the context for those respondents um, in reacting to, to the data. So also, as I mentioned, a lot, if not all, essentially all of our survey respondents did have a high degree of familiarity with cloud and digital services. And this, is, this has actually been an interesting trend over the years. When we first did the cloud survey, it was at a time that certainly enterprises were sourcing cloud services and were using cloud infrastructure, platform, software, but it wasn't the type of pervasive, always talked about, always used that it is today. And so our initial survey respondents back six, seven years ago, a number of them said, you know, don't know, we're still planning. Um, and our respondents now, and our responses now, we, we tend not to see those answers anymore with respect to the cloud or digital transformation. We, we still see though that there are emerging issues such as with respect to data privacy laws and some of those changes, we still see respondents who say, okay, we're, we're adapting as fast as we can, as fast as everyone can. Um, and so, so there we still see some don't know or still planning, but with respect to the technology itself, uh, the, the actual use of cloud, the actual implementation of and sourcing of technology that enables digital transformation, we've really seen our respondents gain more and more familiarity with that as we've run these surveys. So that's a little bit about the background. Again, if, if there are any questions following about more precise breakdowns about who responded and how we looked at the data, always happy to discuss. I, I prior to becoming an attorney, had spent some time as a, uh, working as, with statistics and statisticians. So I'm, I'm always interested in the data part of it, but um, moving more to the key trends, which I think will be of more interest to this audience than, than too much on the statistics side. Um, let's, let's run through a few of these key trends. So with respect to digital transformation, it, we really found that it is an ongoing trend, as I indicated, you know, looking back six years, certainly it's something that is ongoing and accelerating. Um, specifically though, we had asked about is digital transformation accelerating or has it accelerated due to COVID? And you'll see in the data that the responses were yes, but not consistent across every industry. So some industries said, yes, the vast majority of the respondents indicated COVID's really pulled forward digital transformation. And some, some industries said yes, but, but not as much. Um, so that's, that's kind of one key trend. The, the next is really with respect to cloud adoption specifically, there is continuing use of cloud, continuing comfort with moving categories of data to the cloud that our respondents maybe in the past indicated were more sensitive. But really the data privacy and security issues still remain top of mind um, and, and, and do present some headwinds. So it, it, it's kind of a, a, a good story in terms of if you're a fan of digital transformation, a fan of cloud adoption, our respondents are saying, yes, everything is moving that direction but we are sensitive to the rapidly changing environment from a data privacy and security perspective. And that, again, re remembering that we have respondents from all industries, that's across the industries. So for the FI industry, that is with respect to the 
increased and ever-evolving banking regulations, such as the guidance last spring in the U.S. from the FFIEC of FIs using cloud services to other industries, such as healthcare, where there are sensitivities with respect to how protected health information, again, from a U.S. perspective, how protected health information is protected in the cloud. Um, and so, and, and then the last point I already touched on, which is COVID is absolutely accelerating, but not uniform across the industries. Let me maybe pause here before continuing to go through so the trends. So if we go and, in terms of digital transformation, uh, sorry, can you hear me? No, no, please. I was, gonna, I was just going to ask, Bobby, if you wanted to, if you wanted to weigh in on, on these trends or, or specifically um, any thoughts with respect to the data privacy and security headwinds as well. Sure. So uh, in, in terms of digital transformation, what the, the survey uh, shows is that digital transformation is still ongoing and accelerating, but at different rates by industry segments. As we're going to show later, I, I think it's in important to bear in mind of this survey, one, that in U.S. respondents, it's a global survey, so you do have to account for markets that are not as mature. And another aspect is that the survey was carried out last summer in the Northern Hemisphere, which means our winter down south, uh, where we were maybe three, four months into the pandemic and not more than one year into the pandemic. And we, we do believe that those numbers would have been uh, much higher in terms of digital in certain aspects as we're going to highlight as certain companies evolved uh, through the pandemic. Uh, the, the survey also shows in terms of trends that cloud, that cloud adoption is strong across all industries, that data privacy and security still are headwinds. And again, as mentioned, COVID is accelerating the pace of digital transformation. Uh, it's not as uniform across all industries. For, from a data perspective, uh, there is a continued focus on data security and uh, a lot of respondents indicate increasing regulation, which is consistent uh, with new regulations coming around, uh, coming up across the globe. For instance, in Brazil, we do have a new data protection law that entered into force last September. So uh, it is uh, extremely relevant now for Brazil. And uh, specific, uh, specifically notable is the continued impact of data residency laws and regulations uh, as appointed by the respondents. Yeah, that, that's really, um, you know, the, the changing and evolving regulatory environment, it, it, it does present something that, that impacts and is important to consider in sourcing and, and managing both cloud services and digital transformation initiatives more broadly. They, they certainly aren't express blockers, but things like data residency are important to considering how are you architecting, how are you sourcing your technology enabling digital transformation to be able to take into account things like these types of data residency requirements like these types of data privacy and security laws that are ever evolving how how is the enterprise managing things like cross-border data transfers from and to europe in light of the european court of justice's opinion last summer and and hopefully soon to be seen updated standard contractual clauses so all of those types of key considerations are really impacting the, the strategy, the sourcing, the managing of these cloud services and technologies underlying the digital transformation um, as, a, as an important thing to, to consider. So maybe just looking specifically at the cloud, um, it, it does, you know, appreciating the headwinds we just talked about, it, the cloud absolutely continues to be widely adopted. Uh, and, and you'll see in the data, especially private and hybrid cloud. So, so not as much just pure public cloud, but but some level of hybrid, some level of uh, virtualized servers, some level of private instances uh, in order to facilitate that cloud adoption, especially as we've seen our survey respondents over the years, as I, as I mentioned earlier, indicate an increased willingness to put certain categories of data in the cloud. When we started the survey six, seven years ago, the answer to what type of data are you willing to put in the cloud was non-sensitive, non-commercial, non-personal, non-financial, kind of 
all of the other data that, that doesn't have any specific categorization or security risk. That's evolved over time as our respondents have said, no, we will put certain HR data in the cloud. We will put certain financial data in the cloud. And I think a lot of that likely pertains to the increased sophistication of the cloud offerings and solutions um, and, the, and the way the parties have been able to manage the security controls that underlie that increasingly sophisticated product to give them more comfort to using the cloud more broadly. We're, we're saying both cloud and digital transformation today, and, and we did ask about both in our survey. Really, our survey drew out the point that one of the main drivers of digital transformation that is across industries, across organizations, really is adoption of cloud. Certain digital transformations with respect to Internet of Things and sensors, with respect to artificial intelligence, with respect to blockchain, those are certainly accelerating digital transformation as well, but they may be more specific to industries or enterprises based on the nature of their business, whereas cloud is a little bit more universal in terms of the digital transformation trend. And then we'll, we'll get to, which is always one of the most interesting parts of the survey, is what do our respondents say about cloud contracting terms? And there, you'll see with respect to the main provisions in the agreements and issues such as limitations on liability and otherwise, generally the respondents this year indicated responses consistent with what we've seen for the past surveys. So maybe before we move into digital transformation, Bobby, is there anything from your perspective on, on cloud? Because I know when we presented this survey in the past, one of the key points that's been drawn out and, and that I think is helpful is an understanding that there's a view of the cloud marketplace from, you know, U.S., U.K. type markets where there's a heavy adoption of cloud and availability of cloud infrastructure, and that's not necessarily the same in every region. So I'm curious if you have a perspective about what, what the cloud trends would be in, in Latin America and how widespread you're seeing the adoption or if there are additional technical or other hurdles that, that are being presented, maybe a little bit more unique to, to Latin America. Sure. So I think differently from the, the other surveys, what we've seen in Latin America was a significant increase of cloud adoption uh, at, at, on one hand, and in certain industries, uh, more sophistication from local players in negotiating and understanding cloud contracts. But we, we still face uh, significant challenges that are, are very different from more mature markets that uh, procure departments and sometimes even the legal departments in certain companies that are starting digital transformation or that are not so used to cloud contracts, they still insist on negotiating their standard terms and focusing on, on aspects that are not applicable to cloud. So sometimes negotiation of cloud contracts in Latin America tend to be more burdensome than expected for issues that might not be as relevant, while some of the important issues are, are not uh, are not necessarily gone into deep, in deep details by, by a party that may be not so tech uh, oriented. And, but uh, something interesting, and, and I'd like to, to highlight that for Brazil at least, that what has dramatically changed is the approach towards personal data. And this is a result of the new data protection law that has also raised awareness in other Latin American countries that already had a data protection law, but the, the enforcement was not so uh, high lately. And that created a buzz in the region. So you, you see a lot of, uh, so clients pay, paying a lot of attention, companies going into details to actually understand uh, the role of the, the cloud provider as a, a data processor and what are the impacts, the limitation, and, and of course, uh, data security being extremely relevant in that context. Yeah, that, that's helpful to, to understand from a regional perspective. I think it, it's becoming more and more that the issues present themselves in every region, but they are potentially different, and which is why it's helpful, especially for global enterprises that are engaging in sourcing for cloud services or, or other technology to be able to consider how, how do we manage this on a global basis, both in terms of our enterprise vis-a-vis -vis a provider and what terms in place do we need to be sure are there, but also in the overall technology implementation that the enterprise is undergoing. It tends to often be, as, as I'm sure this audience knows, multiple provider type environments. And so how, how are the agreement structured? 
from a global basis and from a governance basis to be able to manage these types of evolving issues, especially with respect to data privacy and security, to make sure that everyone has clear lines of sight as to what are their responsibilities and, and how do you make sure you're staying in front of and, and compliant with these increasing issues and challenges. So very interesting to hear of the, the regional developments as it, as it really does become you know, similar issues, but, but with different flavors all over the world. Maybe jumping then into the substance, Bobby, I'll, I'll turn it over to you if that works to, to provide some insight as to some of the digital transformation trends that we saw based on the data. Again, I think there's a lot of data here, so we may, I, I appreciate Bobby, you may, you may have time to get through it. We may skip around a bit to kind of let me know where you want to go with the slides, but I, I think there's a lot of inf interesting information um, before we dive back into the cloud specifically. Sure, thank you, Adam. So. Um, I think we have pretty interesting results and I want to start uh, showing you uh, first about what are the respondents understood to be the top three drivers uh, that are most important to their digital transformation. And it's interesting because you will see that cloud, cybersecurity, and data analytics were considered by respondents the three most important aspects of digital transformation. Uh, smart manufacturing, not so much, and uh, to our surprise, also artificial intelligence and automation, also not so much. Blockchain, still at 7%, but then if you go and you ask them where they're mostly heavily investing in digital transformation, so where is the money going? And then you will see uh, in, in the next slide, please. Yeah, you will see that actually the respondents indicating that they're spending money in cybersecurity and cloud consistently with the top three drivers, but uh, they indicated IoT sensors and smart devices as where they're also in having he heavily, uh, although they, they didn't consider that as a, an important element. So the most important element in terms of digital transformation. Artificial intelligence is consistent, the level of investment with the level of, um, of importance, but you'll see that data analytics, although deemed very important, not capturing as much investment as uh, IoT, smart devices, and sensors. Then we, we asked specifically about supply chain, and we asked uh, respondents which of the following digital tools has their company used to identify and track supply chains. Uh, and, and this is something that, uh, surprisingly enough, they a lot of respondents indicated that they are using supply chain, a uh, blockchain in their in their supply chain, which is uh, again. It's not, although blockchain was not considered one of the most relevant uh, aspect in terms of digital transformation, we've, we've seen in the supply chain uh, a significant percentage of respondents identifying uh, the use of blockchain in tracking supply chain. Uh, dashboards and electronic contracting, they are consistent with previous results, although uh, electronic contracting has increased but then sensors that we got that they're taking a lot of money, then they didn't get uh, as much importance in tracking of uh, supply chain tools. And then I, I think it's also something, Adam, I, I, that we may also reflect regional differences in ma more mature markets and less mature markets. I wouldn't say in Latin America that we are seeing supply uh, blockchain being deployed as a tool uh, yet. To, for the control of supply chain. We see discussions, we see some projects, but we, we haven't seen that being implemented overall. And, and then it might be surprising and even funny to a lot of people. And, and I want to touch base a little bit on, uh, we're gonna get there also uh, later, but in one question from Philip here, uh, he asked about, is there a specific technology that COVID has accelerated? And, and I think this is very interesting to, to point out if you consider a market like Brazil, that is not such a mature market uh, as compared to the US, you will see that the pandemic accelerated a lot electronic contracting, electronic signatures. And you might be laughing right now to see really 2021 and people were still signing contracts in paper. And I would say yes they were still signing contracts in paper. So we saw some big digital transformation projects. 
uh, they, they were paused because of the pandemic, because at some point companies understood that they still needed to put a lot of people together to, to uh, make mature a little bit more the project requirements and understand those big projects. We, we saw that they, they slowed down because of the pandemic. But on the other hand, companies that were, you know, still everything on paper, they had to adapt very quickly. And, and this was a big challenge for them. And it was not so much as planned digital transformation, but we saw that happen. So uh, I think it, it might you, you might have a different perspective from the US, right, Adam? Yeah, it's interesting. You, you, you mentioned that it, it, for, from a US perspective and, and audience in the US, when you say something like electronic contracting that has been more standard practice for a while now, um, it would it would seem a little bit odd to point out, well, no, that's something that's actually really accelerated. But but absolutely, I, I agree, both in Latin America, we, we saw that with your helpful comments and in some other regions as well, where there tended to be a little bit more uh, work on paper. I, I think there still are vestiges on the electronic signature piece of certain agencies and, and government um, uh, government type organizations that are still using maybe more paper than, than we would hope, but but we've certainly seen a rapid adoption of electronic signatures. Interestingly, even in the US, I think the fact that everyone went remote so suddenly did accelerate some amount of additional use of things like electronic signatures, where previously, although plenty of contracts were signed digitally when people were in the office, the actual process flow in place, the financial controls in place that permitted certain levels of authority to sign went through various routing that when everyone was in the office just happened naturally. And I, I think the suddenness of the shutdowns, which are a little bit hard to recall now that most of us have been in them for, for over a year, but the suddenness of the shutdowns really did accelerate some of those, how are we going to do this day one remote. So even in the US, I think use of electronic signatures and inquiries that we help clients with on electronic signatures certainly did we did provide a lot of that advice right at the outset of the of the shutdown. Um, and then the other interesting piece of it that that we saw is with respect to those types of online collaboration tools like the one we're using now. Certainly these are cloud-based tools and, and a lot of the respondents again from last summer we're already using these tools and thinking about them and, and that and at least in our anecdotal and we imagine everyone else is listening to anecdotal experience has been something that's only accelerated further. Absolutely, I agree. And actually one year through the pandemic and only right now we, we have some companies now raising the question, wow, but uh, shouldn't we be rest restricting the recording ability for some employees? Uh, shouldn't we have a policy about sharing recordings outside of the, the organization? So uh, it is true that it, it was quite sudden for a lot of companies. Uh, and they, they are still, they're still going to need to deal with the results of not doing that in such a planned way, but doing the best they could given the circumstances. And, and, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a good uh, catch for the next slide in terms of electronic signatures. You will see from the responses that um, a significant amount of companies uh, res uh, responded, uh, indicated that they do use the company permits, the use of electronic signature, uh, less to electronic contracting, like checking the box. This, of course, there was an increase in the previous result in uh, 2017. We had 40%. This increased, as I told you before, I think it's, it, it was around July and August last year. If we were to, to take the survey again this July or August, we would expect numbers to be much, much higher. And what is interesting, and then I, I believe you would see the opposite result is in terms of integration. So when we asked respondents, are the results integrated with the company's ERP and or other record keeping systems? Uh, so a surprising 70% of them indicated that yes, that there was some integration with, of course, shows the, the, the important concern about record keeping and having consistency and controls. But my guess is that if we rerun that uh, this summer, your summer, you, you will see that maybe because some uh, companies need to adopt uh, electronic contracting or electronic signature in such a hurry, you won't see that integration or that much concern in terms of record keeping and companies will need 
to catch up with that uh, potential risk once things settle so they, they can maintain the proper controls uh, with contracts and their ongoing operations. Well, and with and then we also asked about uh, digital transformation on the horizon. So, what do, do respondents believe to be the most the technologies to be the most likely disruptive over the next uh, five years? And you see that we got still cloud, which was a bit surprising that cloud uh, was still identified as a technology to be uh, most likely to be disruptive. But then you see a, a relevant. Uh, responses for predictive analytics and match machine learning. So uh, it, it's probably in the future surveys, we're going to see an increase in artificial intelligence as a, an important, more, more people would consider artificial intelligence more important uh, as a, a tool for digital transformation. And, and then uh, we, we still wonder uh, the disruptive uh, effect of cloud, but we, we also understand that in digital transformation aspects and then the impact of moving certain things into the cloud and cyber and, and data security and, and dealing with global regulations and controls, which is something that, that Adam's gonna cover uh, really quick. That, that is still quite disruptive to business. And this is something that if we factor in from that perspective, it, it then makes a lot of sense. Well, but not, not everything's good news. And then if we, if we look at the, the horror side of the story. So, what are the what are the biggest challenges the companies are facing in digital transformation? And I think this is this is uh, extreme. It's an extremely rich input, and, and, and it reflects also the, our experience and what we see in certain projects. That a lot of respondents indicated uh, integration challenges. So sometimes digital transformation uh, projects are undertaken or considered from the perspective of one department or one view and then uh, how it's going to integrate with other systems of the company and the other operations and to bring uh, people together and make sure that the proper controls are in place. Um, on the other hand, cross-border cross regulation, this is something that we do every day and we do understand the pain in cross-border regulations. Um, legislators are very creative. I must say that in my region particularly, you can see uh, some regulations that are, are very hard to account for if you want something uniform globally. So we are always in our day-to-day -day activities being creative to try to accommodate and see how we can help uh, companies implement global projects and make sure that they still guarantee local compliance. Sometimes it requires more creativity, but 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 still, it's an important uh, aspect that must be factored in. Otherwise, usually to to resolve that issue, it can be more more expensive and, and difficult for companies. And then um, another aspect that also is a result of controls and integration is. Um, the, a challenge, the circumvention of legal and procurement control. So the more automated things are, uh, whether you were missing something that was, wasn't brought to the attention of legal and who is going to control. So th those are important elements. Of course, ideally uh, in a project where you, you have the buying from the different departments and you can think that carefully. This is something that needs to be considered, but I think it's very important for you to, to consider those challenges in implementing uh, future digital transformation projects. Yeah, this, this is an area that I think we find um, our clients, especially that, that our clients tend to be the, the legal functions, of course, and this is an area of, of better, faster, cheaper, let's do what we can. Let me get my light back on here. Let, let's do what we can to enable the business, to enable these digital transformation trends. But Flavi, to your good point, how do, we, how do we do that where there is a complex regulatory environment, whether that is data privacy and, and managing multiple um, restrictions or, or mechanisms for cross-border data transfers, whether that's payment or tax issues, how do you actually get payments for services in or out of various jurisdictions or where is the service provider located and, and how do you manage those? It could be issues with respect to governance and how do you manage a multiple provider environment like I've spoken about earlier. So there are all these different considerations and 
They're, they're important and they are certainly manageable. Again, to the obvious point, sometimes with, with a good bit of creativity. Um, it, it, just a kind of quick aside and, and war story on that, especially we find, for example, our financial institution clients, um, there are a number of jurisdictions where the financial institution financial services regulators have issued specific guidance for cloud, and then there are a number of jurisdictions where the regulations, as this audience will appreciate, are still the traditional outsourcing regulations, and, and there, it does require some creative thinking in terms of how do you structure these agreements in order to be able to address what is a traditional outsourcer in a one-to-many type cloud sourcing. So that can be kind of a, one, one area that I know has come up and really driven some creative thinking about how to structure those transactions. But again, more broadly, it, it really comes back to that point of better, faster, cheaper is great. Enabling digital transformation is great. How do we be thoughtful about the ways that we approach that from a sourcing, from a legal perspective, in order to make sure we're, do, we're doing the best we can to facilitate these transactions, facilitate these projects um, within the confines of the existing regulatory environment. So lots of Lots of good, also with lots of challenges and, and helpful to, to balance. Great. Uh, and in terms of challenge mitigation, uh, we asked respondent, uh, respondents whether the companies carried cyber liability insurance. And uh, so 63.7% uh, indicated yes, that the companies carried cyber insurance coverage. This is consistent with previous surveys and it shows an increase um, I would say that with more countries moving towards um, data protection laws with data notification requirements in the US, you see a lot of states with a data breach notification requirements, the same in Brazil uh, and in other countries, uh, you will see that those numbers can increase even more. So in Brazil, in my experience, we would still see uh, a a lot of companies that didn't have cyber, cyber liability insurance going for that as a result of the new law, much more than as a result of the of uh, awareness because of some certain cyber risks, but in view of the notification obligations. But indeed, there is a clear trend of increase in that regard. And um, in terms of readiness, digital transformation readiness. So we, we asked respondents, how ready is your company to benefit from digital transformation? And then um, we, we got some interesting answers. So 20% indicated that the companies, uh, the company was had carried out successfully a digital transformation project. 30 uh, almost 30% indicated that there, there was some in place, uh, ongoing program, 15% didn't have a very good experience, so uh, they started the transformation, but it was confusing or caused disruption. Um, and we had five around 5% of respondents indicated that they don't have any project ongoing, and they don't think it's going to be implemented uh, in the near future. So it, it is interesting to see, but of course it's consistent uh, with previous surveys that we see more companies engaging into digital transformation. And we also see that as a, as a, a trend to increase. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting to see where the various enterprises are in this journey. Some of it can be informed by, by need, which for most enterprises is certainly upticked in view of the the COVID restrictions, some of it's driven by past experiences for the enterprise. And so our respondents really did indicate this, this interesting spectrum of, of we, we thought being at various stages. If, if we look back to our 2017 data, more of our respondents were at the earlier stages of potential for digital transformation. So we've, we've seen the, the curve shift a little where at least there is this grouping of respondents and of enterprises that have undertaken or are undertaking pretty substantial digital transformation. So that that itself is a, is a bit of a trend from when we last asked about this in 2017. And it will be interesting, as Flavia as right, it will be interesting to see as we run the survey again this summer US-wise, what the reaction is from enterprises that now spent a year or year and a half in this COVID-restricted environment and, and whether we do see the, the increase in the trend of digital transformation initiative that we're expecting to see based on our anecdotal experience. 
Thank you. And then uh, something that we, are, we already discussed, uh, the, the COVID impact. So we asked respondents whether COVID is accelerating their digital transformation plans. Uh, so financial industries and TMT, they responded overwhelmingly yes. And then you have here a breakdown um, by industry. You will see that EMI has the, the, the lowest number. And I, I think this is consistent if you, if you consider the industry. So digital transformation projects for the EMI industry, they're, they're, they, they have a significant impact uh, in terms of cost and they are a bigger project. So uh, we understand it's consistent. You, you are going to receive our slides on the end of this presentation and uh, we, we left there for you some more details per industry that we are not going to have time to cover today. But with that, I'll let Adam talk a little bit about the, the cloud results that are very interesting. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Flavia. I appreciate that. And um, uh, very, very interesting to talk digital transformation more broadly and then jump into the cloud. I One of the things that we found in presenting these survey results and in having these discussions is there's there's a bit of a variant in our audience members and those we interact with with an understanding and or an appreciation of, of what they view to be digital transformation and so it, it's helpful to go to cloud as it is a very specific tangible digital transformation that everyone can grasp and understand okay we, we know cloud computing we know what that is is a digital transformation um, and, and I think it helps build out the broader digital transformation discussion where otherwise it can seem more amorphous, especially in organizations where you're talking to, to people in a function that aren't engaging in sourcing or using the technology enabling digital transformation. Sometimes it is taking a step back and saying, when we say digital transformation, we don't just mean futuristic artificial intelligence. We don't just mean emerging technologies like use of blockchain. What we mean is very basic things like using office collaboration tools, using video chat, using systems that allow for payments and reimbursement through online routing rather than, than the traditional walk down the office and get all the approvals, using electronic signatures like we've talked about. Those are the types of things that are really empowering and, and what we mean when we say digital transformation. So cloud can be a helpful way to, to anchor the discussion of when we say digital transformation, we're, we're not just talking futuristic emerging tech, we're talking very much present technology in use widely by a number of enterprises for a number of different solutions. So just focusing now on cloud specifically, we asked what, what type of cloud, right? And this is something that I highlighted earlier is we say, we've seen a trend for more public and private cloud. And it, it looks like, for some reason, the captions have disappeared. But I will just tell you, this smaller bar chart is public. Then this middle chart, uh, the next column over is private. And then the next column is combination. And then just a couple of respondents that weren't sure exactly which type of cloud their organization had implemented. So the vast majority is really in these two columns of private and combination, which is some hybrid, um, some some private instances or virtual instances in the public cloud. So we've really seen a trend in this direction, which again, we're speculating, but, but we, we, we do speculate that that could be one of the reasons that we've seen also the trend of more willingness to include more types of data and greater uses of the cloud. So what are those benefits of the cloud? What did our respondents tell us was driving the adoption of the cloud and driving this as a digital transformation? We, we, we saw better, faster, cheaper. Again, I know it's a it's a buzzword from, from days of yore. It probably hasn't been in vogue quite as much of recently, but it's the way I've always thought about these. And flexibility and scalability as, as the primary or I, the, the main um, response of what is the benefit of the cloud. To, to me, that, that's our respondents indicating better, faster, cheaper really is one of the most significant benefits of the cloud. Certainly along with that is cost reduction. If it's a more scalable solution, then there's potential to manage costs better than, than in an on-premise environment. Um, and then looking at some of the others with respect to functionality, the cloud enables greater compute power. Uh, so if you look really into the details of our survey respondents, they, can, they focus on the ability to get that additional functionality from the cloud, whether it's a 
software application that doesn't exist in an on-premise type setup, or whether it's something like what I just referenced, increased compute power to be able to run additional computations that couldn't be run in only IT infrastructure maintained locally. And then some, some look at to reduce on-premise infrastructure costs. Given the financial accounting rules, I, we'll be curious to continue to see what this response indicates and what this trend indicates as enterprises are coming off of the amortization that they've, that they've had on their books for investments in on-premise technology and do evaluate whether they want to source cloud in order to replace those on-premise investments. I, I expect we'll see a number of transactions along those lines that are driven in part by, by the way that these are accounted for from a financial accounting perspective. And it will be interesting to see whether the reduced on-premise infrastructure costs and, and the move from some of the CapEx to the OpEx is, is actually something that is a benefit of and is facilitating wider cloud adoption. So that was only 12% in this survey result, but, but will be something that we'll be curious to watch. And then security, I should just touch on because it's been such a focus. Um, it's interesting maybe to see or counterintuitive to see, gee, security is a benefit of the cloud. But when we, when we looked into the respondents indicating why they suggested security could be a benefit of the cloud, not just a challenge, there is some potential benefit from the scalable nature of cloud that if you're only protecting a network limited on-prem, an enterprise can't devote the type of resources that a, a cloud infrastructure may be devoting from a data security perspective. So even though it is a headwind and it does present challenges as we've discussed, there is also the potential for security to offer, uh, for, for security to be a benefit of the cloud as well. I'm gonna jump forward with respect to a couple of the cloud contracting terms, just because I wanna make sure that we get to those those items I think they're most interested, uh, most interesting, and, and certainly I know we've got one question, um, but if there are others, please do feel to feel free to include those in the Q and A. We can also make sure we cover those before the top of the hour. But let me get to just these contracting terms because again, these these responses I think are most interesting in our survey results, and I know our our audiences when we present the survey results are always really interested in hearing what our respondents said. So. First is with respect to the actual form of agreement. So when an enterprise is sourcing cloud, how, how are they going about doing that? And we asked our respondents, as we have in the past, what type of contract? Are you using the service provider's contracts or are you trying, if you're a customer, are you trying to use your own form of agreement? And generally, our, the majority of our respondents say it really is some mix of the provider paper. Um, it, it's either just the provider paper or as you'll see from the middle bar chart, um, it's provider paper with some amount of customer terms. And those tend to be things like customer data protection agenda that specify here are the categorizations of the data that we, a customer maintain, and here are expectations and requirements for data privacy and security for those. So things like that, where it's, it's not a customer trying to dictate to a cloud provider, we know you've got a one-to-many solution, we need our form of agreement, it's more a, here are the specific customer concerns that we can address with this. So this is just generally what a majority of our, of our respondents say. Certainly the, the data indicates there are still a number of transactions where this majority, what, what the majority are telling us that doesn't hold true. So this certainly is still an area where we see there are certain enterprises that still maintain their own form of agreement or otherwise take a different approach to cloud contracting. Once you get actually beyond just the form of the agreement and the actual issues, we, we asked our respondents, well, what are the most negotiated cloud terms? So certainly fees is, is an interesting one to see that, that these are still very much commercial negotiations. And uh, yes, the technology might be new and enabling, but of course everyone is being careful in sourcing and, and how they're paying for it. Uh, then, then the real interesting substantive issues from a contract perspective are really the confidentiality, data security type issues we've been talking about. We have on here as well data use, which is also up there for our respondents indicating a very negotiated position. That's not necessarily just data privacy. 
uh, data use is, is the ability of a cloud provider to use that data that a customer has uploaded to the cloud for that cloud provider's own purpose. And so that's a little bit broader than necessarily just data privacy, given that there's a number of, of course, cloud solutions that use data that is not just personal data. So I wanted to highlight that as a, a difference. Um, as well, and we'll get to here in a second, the risk shifting provision, insurance, indemnity, limitation on liability, those provisions also tend to be negotiated and, and we'll, we'll provide a little bit of feedback here in the next couple of slides about what respondents said about those provisions. In our last cloud survey, we, we had asked where do parties spend the most time negotiating and then where did parties see the most changes? It, it was interesting because we saw that parties spent the most time negotiating provisions like limitations of liability, but we also saw from our respondents saying that those were provisions that even with the time they spent on them, they ended up tending to end up in a, in a pretty similar range across their cloud contracts. So just an interesting thought about, yes, these are most negotiated, but it doesn't necessarily mean that most negotiated means highest variance among the terms in the agreement. So, and I would say, Adam, that this is especially yeah, true yeah. if you consider maybe less mature markets, especially less mature uh, players, companies going into digital transformation. Uh, it's very common, for instance, in Brazil, uh, it, that you can, so if, if we are in a negotiation of a, a cloud contract, you can see uh, sometimes a first draft coming with unlimited liability and then months going over that, then just uh, to go back to the, the cap and usually uh, the cap as you're going to point out here, but, but, but it's true. And, and it's still surprising to, to me that for certain industries in Brazil, we're gonna get a lot, a lot of contracts with unlimited liability as a starting point. And this will drain a lot of energy towards negotiation. Yeah, certainly it, it does. And, and that's why it's helpful sometimes to just have a, a sense of how these tend to go from a market perspective. So you understand where you're dedicating that energy and, and is it, you know, sometimes it's, it's necessary, but, but always good to consider trying to take a commercial practical minded approach to these types of agreements. And on the limitation of liability point, we, we generally in the last survey or two, our respondents have told us that the general cap on damages tends to be about 12 months fees. And then there are some areas that either have uncapped or they're subject to a higher cap. And those are a bit of a range. You see our respondents indicating one to 10 million or 12 to 18 or three X type multiples of fees. And those, those are specific categories. So for example, data, with respect to a data security incident and what the limitation of liability might be for those. We also, um, and I'll, I'll read you that to you as, as it looks like the, they've somehow disappeared from the slide here, but we did ask what type of exclusions are typically carved out from limitations on liability. So we have breach of confidential data, breach of personal, breach of with respect to personal data, um, customer payment obligations, gross negligence and willful misconduct, supplier indemnification obligations, violations of law, and then others. So a, a pretty consistent and, and expected set of responses from our respondents with respect to what's carved out. Um, there are some differences across regions in our experience. When you get to issues like carve-outs for negligence versus gross negligence, there can certainly be some nuance and detail on a geographic jurisdictional basis given what the underlying laws in those countries may say about the ability to disclaim certain types of damages. So some of this is truly up to the parties and some of this is influenced based on where the solution is being implemented. And I also think this is very important what you mentioned, um, Adam, because for certain jurisdictions, uh, and I can, especially civil law countries, not necessarily you're going to see a lot of nuances in terms of different, you know, consequential indirect damages or uh, gross negligence or negligence. And sometimes we spend a lot of uh, time and effort negotiating that. And if you look at 
precedents and how courts have interpreted that this is completely disregarded. So it's always important, even, even if it's the governing law of the agreement might not be the law of that country, if, if, if a, a court in that country is going to resolve a dispute, for instance, it's important to, to bear in mind that from the perspective of that country, this may not be relevant at all in terms of the ultimate dollar amounts that can be awarded. Yeah, it, it does come up, especially at, at the, the point you raised. Is, you know, those of us in, in a common law jurisdiction like the United States tend to approach these discussions with freedom of parties to contract. You can pretty much agree to anything you want under the sun. And it's always great when working with my colleagues such as Flavia and others, when you get some civil code perspective to say, that's great that you've now spent three months coming up with a very detailed provision, but let me tell you what the code says. And so you, you need to take that into account. So one of the things we do is, is we're, we're very careful in um, making sure you get out in front of those so that you are focusing time efficiently in these discussions as to avoid having spent that, that one month, you know, what we used to say locked in the room, now, now maybe locked in the Zoom, but uh, making sure that the parties are actually spending their energy focusing on, on what the real issue is based on the, the underlying legal regimes. So just a, just a couple of quick key learnings from the cloud survey and, and then please do it, it. We only have a few minutes left. If you have any questions, please put them in the Q&A. Um, as we've talked about, digital transformation is accelerating. We'll, we'll be very interested to see in our next survey results what, what the trends are from COVID having been, the COVID restrictions having been in place longer uh, and, and see whether that trend line continues or, or even increases from what we saw in our last survey. Cloud adoption does remain strong even with some of the headwinds that we saw and, and that's really factoring in data privacy and security but also just generally from a compliance perspective and how you're managing these in a, in a compliant manner. Um, and then with respect to the contracting terms we talked about, there. There is convergence in terms of form of agreement, in terms of the types of provisions that are negotiated, but there still is a lot of time that parties are investing in how to structure, source, and negotiate these agreements. Um, and then finally, on, a, on the data point, control over the data, that's everything that we've talked about. That's data privacy and security requirements, that's data residency requirements, that is uh, each party's rights to and use of and access to the data that may be in the cloud. All of those are items that are top of mind for our respondents and, and in our experience, top of mind in, in these types of transactions. So, Flavia, I know we have a lot of industry trends. I don't know if there are any that, given that we have a minute or two left and I'm not seeing the, any further question, were there any industry trends that you thought would be most interest, interesting that you wanted to highlight here in the, in the remaining minutes that we've got? So, uh First, to, to, to let them know that uh, we are sending them the sector trends and then feel free uh, to, 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 to go through them in detail and ask us questions by email if you want. I think one important trend that I'd like to make, maybe make a, a link with some things that we are seeing here, especially in Brazil, uh, and also trying to give the perspective of uh, markets that uh, maybe are, are not so uh, mature in terms of that is for CGR, that we, we, we saw in CGR a, a higher concern in, ter in terms of cybersecurity, data control, uh, and, and a concern in terms of potential data loss. I think this is extremely relevant to consider that with the pandemic, there are, other, there are other players that also went into digital transformation, authorities. So in markets where authorities were completely analogic, what we see is authorities also going digital, adopting tools, and the level of sophistication of inquiries has increased. So if you, if you add that to new data protection laws, and then authorities also going digital, uh, we, we are seeing already more sophisticated sophisticated inquiries, more sophisticated requests. And I would say that for um, industries that have a significant, a significant interference or interaction with authorities, we may see an increase in concerns regarding uh, data security, data control, as a result of more issues being raised uh, in local markets. I think this is extremely relevant. We, we've seen that clearly and it tends to increase over time. 
yeah, that it very much so, and I think will be interesting to see. And 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 the regional perspective again is quite helpful. And as at least my experience in working with you and otherwise in, in Latin America, con consumer issues are always top of mind, and and will continue to be so as they um, are impacted by these types of trends, especially in this industry. So I appreciate Bobby. Thanks so much for for joining me. Thanks so much for the the um, for IOP for hosting us and, and letting us present these interesting survey results. We'll, we'll, as Bobby indicated, we'll make sure that everyone has the materials and we'll be happy to answer questions as you'll see when you flip through the materials. There's plenty of data we didn't have an opportunity to get to, uh, especially data with respect to the key sector trends, but really appreciate everyone's time today for the interesting discussion. Thank you. Thank you all.